Good morning. Appreciate your attendance here this morning uh, as we worship our Lord and Savior in spirit and truth this morning. Uh, again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, grandmothers, and anyone who that impacts as well. Uh, this being Mother's Day, I hope that uh, any, I don't think anyone will uh, complain too much if we do a lesson on uh, motherhood this morning. Uh, you know, Scripture is filled with examples of the good and the bad of motherhood. Uh, of course, you know we could we could talk about uh, Eve, who's you know the mother of all living. Uh, if you have a bulletin this morning, you might notice in the article this morning I wrote about um, Naomi and Ruth, and there's an example of Naomi who had lost her her sons and her husband. And who had grown bitter over that, uh, that, that uh, event. And it took Ruth, a, a woman, a, her daughter-in-law, to help uh, bring her back into uh, what her name really meant. Uh, Naomi means pleasant. Uh, but if you recall in that, le- in that account, she changed her name to Mara, meaning bitter. But by the end of the book of Ruth, uh, when Ruth had her child, had her a son... Uh, Naomi uh, was blessed in that. You know, we could look at Mary, the mother of Jesus as well. You know, there's so many different examples that we could look at in Scripture. But there's one mother in the Old Testament that's always uh, stood out to me. And I'll tell you why here in a moment. But that's Hannah. You know, many uh, ladies' days events are, are centered around this woman by the name of Hannah. Uh, I was actually looking in my wife's library yesterday, and there were you know, multiple books that she had where uh, chapters were dedicated to Hannah. Now, Hannah's only mentioned in 1 Samuel and only for a, f- a few chapters, but her uh, impact in Scripture is vast. You know, I've always been fascinated with Samuel, uh, in, again, in the Old Testament, and he meant so much to the nation of Israel. You know, Samuel, he was a priest. And a prophet and a judge. He was a Nazarene or a Nazarite. Yeah, actually, the, the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15, verse 1, puts him at the level of Moses when it comes to leaders in the great nation of Israel. And his story, the story of Samuel, begins during the days of the judges. And again, he's going to be instrumental in anointing the first king of Israel, Saul, and also the second king of Israel, David. But it's the boy, the boy Samuel, that has always impressed me so much. Again, this was during a time when God's voice just was not as heard as much as it used to. And it's interesting to me that God was not communicating through the high priest Eli, but rather in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it was the boy Samuel who God spoke to. Uh, The the Bible also tells us about Samuel, that he grew in stature and favor with the Lord and men. Doesn't that sound familiar? Because we read about that being the case with Jesus as well in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. But you might ask, you know, I wonder how Samuel became so special uh, to the Israelite nation. And I believe the answer lies in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And two, and so we're going to study that here this morning, First Samuel chapter one and two, because it was his mother Hannah that we're going to notice uh, that really uh, impresses us here this morning. Hannah, we read about 
in verse, chapter 1, verse 11, desired to be a mother more than anything in this life. You know, and that's a far cry from today's uh, culture, you know, where children are sometimes perceived to be a problem. You know, we could just go overseas to a, a, a nation such as China, which at one point, you know, had a policy that, uh, that only one child could be born. And, I, and they've since moved on to two. And I think as of last year, uh, you know, the law is that they can have up to three children. But they, uh, you know, they put a cap on the number of children that one can have. You know, and that's really a far cry from where we are, were in this country not too long ago when, you know, family, large families were desirable. Uh, they needed to keep up with the family farm and such. And, uh, but nowadays, it's almost as if children are hindrances. You know, they take away from the life a couple wants to live. Uh, the, their dreams, their, their careers, their, their lives, their plans have all... Uh, Children have become a, a nuisance to those things, you know, and because of that, we've seen in the culture that things such as abortion has been on the rise. Things like abandonment ha- has caused grandparents who should be spoiling their grandchildren to be raising their children. As was read for us here a little bit ago, Psalm 127. I love this psalm where, where uh, it's mentioned here that behold, children are a gift of the Lord the fruit of the womb is a reward. And it's like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children in one's youth. And how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. That's how God sees children, families. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of these arrows, full of children. And again, Hannah's account this morning is going to remind us how precious motherhood is. You know, she's a powerful lesson to teach us. All mothers, all desiring to be mothers one day, even us men, uh, parents, uh, we're going to learn a lot of valuable uh, points from this account. Maybe you're not as familiar with uh, Hannah and Samuel. So let's kind of go over the background a little bit here. Again, this is during the history of the judges. Right? There, there's no king in Israel at this time. Uh, but, but men and sometimes women are going to rise up and be the judges for the nation of Israel. They're, they're going to conquer their enemies, and then eventually later there's going to be a new judge that's going to rise. But in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2, we read of a man by the name of Elkanah who has two wives. Uh, the, the names of his two wives are Panana and Hannah. And what we read about within these scriptures is that he treats the two very differently. And, of course, that's no surprise. It's no surprise at all. But Paniah has children, and we notice that Elkanah takes care of them. But it's Hannah who he truly loves. But Hannah, we read, was barren. Hannah received a double portion of the, the sacrifice of the things that uh, were given from her husband. Again, Elkanah loved Hannah. And because of this, there was an intense rivalry within this family structure uh, between these two wives. And we read about that Paniah uh, often provoked and irritated Hannah. Uh, no doubt that, that Paniah was jealous of the love and affection that Hannah got that she didn't do that. And because of that, we read that Hannah often wept. And she often was so grieved to the point that she would not eat. It was a miserable situation. 
Well, Hannah would often go to the temple uh, to pray. Now, this, of course, is the tabernacle. Uh, the temple hasn't been constructed, but the text will use the word temple in place of tabernacle. But she would often go to the tabernacle to pray, as was their custom. And it just so happened that this one day that the high priest Eli was out doing his duties. And Hannah was there, and she was greatly distressed. She was weeping, again, over her condition of being barren. Look at chapter 1, verse 11. It says that she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, you will, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Now, as she was doing this, we're going to later find out in these verses that she was speaking these things in her heart. So it wasn't vocally coming out of her mouth, but she was praying these things in her heart, even though her mouth was moving. And so Eli, the high priest, he sees this from a distance and he believes that she's drunk. He tells her to go home. But of course, Hannah says, I haven't been drinking, but rather I'm oppressed in spirit. I'm grieving. I'm praying. And Eli, when he uh, hears about this, he tells Hannah to go in peace and may God bless your request. And we read there in verse 18 at the end that her face was no longer sad at the words of Eli. Well, the Lord remembers her and she conceives a son and she names him Samuel. And she raises her young son with the intentions that once he is weaned one day that she would go through with her vow and to turn him over to the Lord. And we also read in chapter 2, verse 19, that as this came true, every year when she went to, pray, or went to worship, that she would bring him a new robe that she had made to her dear child. You know, God would later, we'll later learn that God blessed Hannah with three more sons and two more daughters. But as we read through this account and, and sort of uh, summarized it, there's three words that stick out to me here uh, this, this morning about Hannah, about her, her life, about the, the example that she was, and that was that she was consistent, that she was insistent, and that she was also persistent. And so we're going to notice some of these things again as we go through there. Again, Hannah was a mother who was consistent. Again, her story begins in a sad state. One of two women married to the same man. Again, this is never a good situation. But of course, uh, this was sort of the culture then. Uh, but Paniah had children. Hannah had none. You know, in, in the ancient uh, Jewish world, that culture to be barren was about as lowly and humiliating of a position uh, a woman could have. Uh, she felt disgraced in that position. And it often it led to her being socially and economically uh, outcast. Uh, some even felt as if God had cursed them because of that, disfavored them. And again, we see her, we see her nature uh, throughout these verses that she was depressed, that she felt slighted, irritated, provoked. But despite all this, verse 7 says it happened year after year, often as she went up to the house of the Lord. You know, this is where we find consistency in her life. Year after year after year, she went to worship the Lord. Uh, the first thing uh, we notice is that she was consistent, although physical things didn't necessarily turn out. Right? As she was barren. She, she prayed that God would give her a child. And even though the Lord didn't bless her with children, 
We're told specifically in these verses that he closed her womb. Even though she was not blessed at that time, she didn't blame God. She didn't, as we would say, take her ball and go home. But she, year after year after year, consistently went and worshipped the Lord. She was consistent also, although persecuted by family. Again, her rival provoked her severely, saying, uh, you know, your womb is closed. Uh, God doesn't love you as much as I do. You know, again, you gave credit to God in everything in this culture. And so Paniah looked at herself as being blessed and Hannah not being blessed. You know, there was this form of persecution by the family, but not only from the other wife, but also we see that also through her husband. You know, is this a true statement that men sometimes don't think things through? You know, uh, look, look at chapter one, verse eight. Look at as Elkanah says, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Right? He, he didn't get it. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't get what it was like to be a woman in that culture and not being able to bear a child. Again, she faced persecution from, her, from the other wife. From her husband, but again, year after year after year, she was consistent in her worship to the Lord. She was consistent in her own discouragement. Again, she's constantly weeping and grieving. And think of all of those, uh, all those in this account who notice these things. Paniah probably daily sees it as a form of you know, justice and revenge. Elkanah, again, he doesn't see what the big deal is all about. And then we have Eli here, and he mistakenly sees it as if she was uh, you know, drinking the, that day. But God also, we notice, will witness her tears as well. And she counted on him to provide for her. And again, because she was consistently faithful, God blessed her. She was consistently faithful to the word of the Lord. Look at verses 17 and 18. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. You know, for her to hear Eli, the man of God, the high priest say to her, go in peace and may God bless your request. You know, that that turned her life around. She felt encouraged. She, she felt as if uh, things were going to uh, happen her way. Again, uh, consistent to her Lord in faithfulness, we see here. Have you ever found yourselves in the throes of difficulty and trials? And of course we have. Right? Of course we have. Job tells us in Job chapter 14, verse 1, that man who is born of woman is short-lived and, and full of turmoil. Right? There is going to be turmoil in our lives. And we might be surrounded by individuals who mean well, but some are powerless uh, to help. They, they just don't understand, like Hannah's husband. Some uh, might, you know, increase our pain, our discouragement, uh, like Paniah, and still others uh, totally misunderstand it, like, like Eli. But, of course, we have one who is always able and willing to come to our aid. And so... Be like Hannah. Do like Hannah and bring it to him. Bring those things to the Lord. Trust him that he will always provide what is best. And I love this first point about Hannah is that she was consistent in her faith. And that's a trait of a godly mother. 
that she went year after year to the temple to worship the Lord, no matter the circumstances. The second thing we want to notice is that Hannah was a mother that was insistent. That she gave Samuel to the Lord the same way that she gave herself to him. You know, again, recall her prayer in chapter 1, verse 11. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come on his head. You know, there's really two ways here that she gave Samuel to the Lord. Uh, The first one was we just read about before his birth, but she also gave him to the Lord after her birth. Look at the, the last few verses of chapter one. Well, 20 verse 28 in particular, my translation, the new American standard says, so I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. Well, that word there dedicated, you might have the word lent. He, she lent him to the Lord. Now, it's not that, uh, that the Lord could borrow Samuel for a time and then have to give him back. You know, when I lend something to someone, you know, I expect to give that back. But th- that's not the meaning of the word here, dedicated or lent. This word means to ask, to beseech, to inquire, to beg. Hannah, Hannah was begging the Lord to take Samuel. Not only did she beg to have a child, but she begged that the Lord would take him. How powerful is that? You're telling me this morning that a woman who she thought her purpose in life was to have a child, although she was barren, persecuted by her family, begging the Lord to give her a child, and when she finally has one, she begged him to take him into his service. See, when you're raising children... You know, you're doing the Lord's work. You know, I've said this before, but, you know, God blesses us with children and the task of raising them. But one day we're going to have to give them back to him. You know, now Hannah's circumstances are different. You know, of course, she she made this vow that as soon as he's weaned, that the Lord could have him. Uh, In our circumstances, it's when our children Come to that age where they need to make a decision whether they're going to follow the Lord or or to not. And again, godly mothers, as we see in the example of Hannah, they beg, they insist that their children be in faithful service to the Lord. The third point that we want to notice is that Hannah was a mother that was persistent. Not only was she consistent, not only was she insistent, but she also was persistent. See, Hannah gave herself. Then she gave Samuel, but then she also gave the Lord to Samuel. What do I mean by that? Uh, Number one, she gave the Lord to Samuel in his name. Look at verse 20. Uh, It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. That's what Samuel means, because I have asked him of the Lord, or because the Lord has heard uh, had, had heard my cry. Uh, God has heard. That's what literally Samuel means. God has heard. She was giving the Lord to Samuel. Did you see the, the E-L at the end of the name Samuel? Well, that, that's uh, the, the Hebrew word Elohim. It means God. You know, Michael, Daniel, 
Ezekiel. Those are all names that if you translate it, it has something to do with God. And so uh, whenever you know, Samuel's name was mentioned, you know, God's there. Right. Because God is mentioned because his name is in that name, Samuel. So she put God's name in Samuel's name. Wherever Samuel went, he carried around God's name. Again, there's persistency in the upbringing of Samuel. We see in the second point we also want to notice is that she gave the Lord to Samuel in her actions. You know, after the child was born, uh, we read about in chapter one, you know, she couldn't go to Jerusalem to worship because she uh, was dedicated to weaning the child. Now, uh, yes, that is nursing the child, but there's much more to it. It wasn't just about nourishment, but it was about providing the spiritual direction to the child. You know, again, I mentioned earlier that, that Samuel was a Nazarite. Now, what it meant to be a Nazarite, sometimes individuals in Scripture were Nazarites uh, before birth, like Samuel sometime, and Samson. Sometimes they were Nazarites after uh, they were born and decided to take the Nazarite vow. But to be a Nazarite meant there were certain things that you could not do in this life. You couldn't touch a dead body if you wanted to take the Nazarite vow. You couldn't partake of anything of the fruit of the vine. No grape juice, uh, no raisins, nothing pertaining to the fruit of the vine could go inside. You couldn't cut your hair. Remember, that's, that's the thing with Samson that we all are familiar with, with his long hair. Uh, to, to be a Nazarite, you wouldn't cut your hair. And so she was training Samuel in this vow that she had vowed to the Lord that he would be a Nazarite from birth. Again, teaching, training, preparing him to what he was going to do. You know, this reminds me a lot of Moses back in Exodus chapter 2. You remember Moses is born. His parents see Moses was a beautiful child. And because they know that the male uh, Israelite children were endangered, uh, she did not want to have Moses uh, killed, And so she puts him in that basket and sends him down the Nile River where he gets stuck in those reeds. Remember, and then the Pharaoh's daughter sees him and she uh, takes him into her home and she provides a, a nurse to take care of this baby. Well, it just so happens that that nurse was Moses's actual mom. You know, that's a that's the providence of God right there. That not only did Moses get to live in a culture where you know, Jewish boys were being killed and slaughtered, but not only did he get to live, but he got to grow up in the palace of the Egyptians. But Moses' own flesh and blood earthly mother got to raise him. And don't you think that she prepared him for the, the life that he was going to be, the leader that he was going to be for the Israelites that we know of while he was living inside uh, the Egyptian um, the home. Again, Samuel's mother was persistent in giving him what he had. And that, again, that's a daily reminder that he had of who he was. Samuel. Uh, God heard Samuel. And the training that he received from his mother would last a lifetime. Well, chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, we get into this, this prayer that Hannah has. Again, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And again, Hannah is a great example of a godly mother who's consistent and insistent and persistent. And as we close, as we close with this, this prayer of thanksgiving that she has, we notice that she gives the credit to God in all things. We notice that she's rejoiceful. 
verse 1. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Well, again, where did her joy come from? She had a child, uh, even in these times. uh, And she left him in the care of Eli at the temple in full service to the Lord. Right. What joy do you get from your children? Uh, Is it good grades? Is it uh, producing a skill? Is it athletic awards? Or is it like Hannah seeing your children learn about the Lord, about serving others? That's where Hannah saw her joy was in Samuel's service to the Lord. We also see that she boasts about great strength that she received. Where did she receive this strength? Verse 4, the, the, the bows of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble gird on strength. Where does Hannah get her strength? Again, to leave Eli at the temple at such a young age, her firstborn child. Where did she get that strength from? Again, from the Lord. The Lord gave her a strong leader uh, for the people of God in return. And that's where Hannah got her strength from. And also, we, we might ask, well, where did she get her treasure from? Again, you know, we, we don't know about the other children that Hannah had, but we know all about Samuel. You know, every year she came to the temple and brought him that new coat. But he is how, uh, or he is how Hannah gained her treasure. And that was from the motherhood that, that God allowed her to have. We honor mothers, uh, motherhood through Hannah. Right. She, she was consistent. You know, despite all of her struggles, the Lord was first place in her life. Is he in yours? She was insistent. Again, are we insistent that our children are being raised knowing that God should be in first place? And she was also persistent. Are we determined to center our lives around the Lord as she did with, with Samuel But not only do we honor mothers today, we also honor God. We honor God today as well because he provides us this structure, this this family, this physical uh, nature of reproduction. You know, he designed all of it. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16. Notice what David said. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. You know, we we, we don't understand everything uh, and how it all works, you know, what, what goes on inside the womb, but we know that God knows and that he's there, and that he provides that opportunity for us. Yeah, again, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But God also provides for us as well eternally through Jesus Christ. This morning, as we offer the invitation uh, to become a Christian, we know the scriptures say that we must hear the word of God, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, to repent of our sins, to confess Jesus as Lord, and to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And at that point, the Lord will add you to his church and will begin a life in Christ as a new creation uh, to uh, 
to live faithfully for him in this life, to do uh, things that are pleasing to him. And we would love nothing more to, to speak to anyone this morning who has those desires, uh, who's ready to put Christ on in baptism, to be in Christ. We would love that opportunity. Or this morning, uh, if you need the prayers of the congregation, if you need uh, encouragement and strength, uh, maybe you need to pattern your life more like Hannah, to be persistent and consistent and insistent uh, in your life. Again, we would love the opportunity to uh, pray for you about that. If there's anything we can do, please let us know as together we stand and sing.